What's up, podcast listeners? Now, the changes are going to be coming down the pipeline. For those of you guys who really like those monthly update reports, we are going to be stopping those. I'm sorry. Apparently, people's attention spans are super short these days. So what I'm going to be doing on a weekly basis on the podcast is doing more of a really quick five articles that I think pertain to real estate investors or investors in general for you guys add my commentary. So you're going to start to hear these podcasts on a weekly basis throughout the year. If you don't like it, you can fast forward through it and then skip to the normal routine, simple passive cash flow, regular podcasts. But that's what's going to be coming down in the pipeline in 2023. If any other suggestions you guys have, what do you guys like what do you guys don't like please let me know team at simplepassivecashflow.com if you haven't yet joined our investor club what are you guys doing we're starting to make the first monthly payouts of one percent every month or twelve percent on an annual basis which is structured around our pref equity plus fund or pet fund for short which is essentially a debt fund right it's i think it's the kind of the prudent strategy today um with interest rates sky high where they're at it's just hard to make deals pencil. And I find frankly, like don't know how people are making deals work. Actually, I do know how. A lot of these newer operators who are trying to build a name for themselves and actually are given the opportunity with all the big smart money like us who have over $1.2 billion of assets and ownership who are sitting on the sideline. A lot of these newer people are willing to take chances and getting deals done. At this point in time for our investor group, I feel like the preferred equity approach, which is the debt side, is a little bit more of a prudent strategy at this point in time. I saw yesterday that apparently inflation went down a little bit to 7% off the highs of 9 Good news. It seems like the Fed increasing interest rates is seems to be working and they just announced a half a percent bump instead of a 0.75 bump. So hopefully we're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm still anticipating maybe at the summertime things really get going. You still got to get your money moving, right? I'd say if you got several hundred thousand dollars of debt equity in your home, get that out as a HELOC, put into infinite banking, make money there, and then also put it into something that is making you a nice high single digit yield to arbitrage off that for now. Or if you find great deals out there, put it in there too. But um, Right. What are we talking today? Chris is going to be on the show. A lot of our investors these days are more accredited investors, guys who not really care if they take gas from Costco, right? And save 10 cents, 20 cents a gallon there. We're screwing around with credit card hacking, all this type of stuff. Because why? Because after a certain point when your net worth gets past a million, two million dollars, all these small ball types of things is really just burning up time. And you start to realize time is more important to you than a lot of the cheapo things that I personally used to do, which I have a list at simplepassivecashflow.com slash cheapo if you guys want to read that during the uh, the Christmas break here. Like, what do you do when trying to find that passion, but you also want to align it with taxes for that combo? And this is this podcast today is more for people around a million, million and a half net worth or less. I'm trying to find that passion, trying to find that ikigai. And what is ikigai? Something that you love to do, what the world needs, what you can be paid for, what you're good at. And this is very different than something that you love that you can't really monetize, like pottery or some random hobby or golf, for an example. What we're talking about are things that you can monetize because the world needs it. And I'm not saying money is the most important thing, but in our world, the way it works is you when you create value for other people, you're typically rewarded with money. So it's indicative of or a byproduct of one of the two 
But this concept of ikigai, a lot of people I talk to these days are high-paid professionals that make multiple six figures. And sometimes it's, I hate to be a jerk, man, but you're probably better off staying at that high-paid job, at least so you can hit your passive cash flow number of ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a month, and then just shut off the engines and go garden and play golf from there. For some people, they want to take the approach of and they're really unhappy what they're doing. And for those of the people, you know, we have these calls, I may suggest taking money out of retirement earlier than later and more aggressively. And there's some other tax strategies to mitigate that in the meantime, but they just don't like what they're doing for work. And this may be you guys out there and maybe just to ponder this, like how much more can you work at a job that, yeah, you pay, get, you get paid pretty well, but you don't really enjoy and maybe that there's some way you can find this concept of ikigai with some other side gig or hobby. That said, most of the people that listen out there are not business owners. They, you guys don't have any business aptitude. Don't be one of, don't want to be offensive, but I just want to state the obvious. Most people who start businesses don't make any money and they don't get anywhere. And I guess what I'm saying is as I think of raising my own children, I I think a lot of people say, yeah, you need to be entrepreneur. You need to be not be a another government or a byproduct of the education system and work in a big company. But I'll be the first one to tell you as a business owner, most people cannot run successful businesses. They don't have the aptitude for it and they don't get lucky with some kind of traction out there. They don't the business doesn't sell anything. It doesn't get going. There's no traction. I think I've been blessed to create the simple passive cash flow podcast back in 2016. A lot of you guys seem to like it, but I consider myself very lucky to be in this position that we've hired staff to help me amplify the message. But most people never get to that point. Just look at all like the spinoff of podcasts and YouTube channels these days. So I'm not saying that don't go after your dreams, but it's going to be no different the message I send to my kids, which is, yeah, you can have your dreams, but by you need luck for it to get traction. But for, consider the traditional path of going to school, studying hard, going to college and working in a job. Nothing's wrong with a job if you can save $25,000, $100,000 a year to put to rental properties or syndications and implement these simple strategies that we buy for higher net worth, higher paid and accredited investors to accelerate to financial freedom. And what we're going to be talking about today is this kind of concept of Ikigai. Chris calls it divine genius. How can you also find something that you like? You can maybe monetize it on the side and get a little bit of tax benefit side action there, right? If you have a hobby that you turn into business and run through a lot of your personal expenses through it, that's what we're talking about today. And so again, thank you all for listening to the show this past year. And if you've been listening years prior, really appreciate it. It's allowed our group to, I think, raise over 160, 170 plus million dollars that you guys have entrusted to us to purchase well over a billion dollars of assets that we judiciously run on your guys' behalf. And although the group has gone, they'll want to get to know you guys. If you guys, we haven't had that onboarding call, please book a call. I'd like to see how I can help you guys out. That's really what I enjoy. That's my personal guy. I enjoy connecting with people on a one-off basis and sending them straight. Um, after that, you got to join the mastermind group. I just don't have time for everybody and hand out free advice. But if I can give somebody a quick 10, 15 minutes and compress learning cycles and putting them in the right path, that's really what I see as like my gift to the world or my divine genius, as Chris calls it. 
Um, but uh, hopefully we'll see you guys in Hawaii next month, January 13th to the 16th. It's not too late to sign up. We'll probably be increasing the prices very early in January as we lock in our headcount, as I got to pay the bill for all the cool events we're going to be doing and the great food and some other surprises. So if you, that's interest to you guys, go to simplepassacashflow.com slash 2023 retreat. And if not, thank you very much. And here is the show. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Today we got Chris Miles going to talk about monetizing your divine genius. And that sounds a little bit uh, oogity-boogity to the normal Simple Passive Castle listener, but Trust me, this is going to be saving you on taxes at the end of, we'll come around full circle. But uh, how's it going, Chris? It's awesome, Lane. How you been, man? Chris was on the podcast way back when in August 2016. We had to go back. That was podcast number 21. And I can wow. truly say that Chris is a good friend of mine. And there's a little bit of like show business, podcasting etiquette where like you call everybody your friend. But, and then maybe if you've met the guy before, you call him like a good friend, but I'll call you a true friend. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> that's awesome. It means we've talked since then over the last three years. Yeah. We've talked at least twice. You know, we actually talk pretty routinely. So we've done a bunch of work together. So today we wanted to do a podcast on finding your divine genius. And yeah, why don't you, what does that mean to you, Chris? When you work with our divine genius, what is it we can bring uniquely to the table that no one else can? What is it that we can really bring to the world? So combining our talents, our passions, you know, our, our values, our mission, and everything that combines as being who we are, the best version of who we are, and use that to deliver the greatest amount of value to, to others. That's basically the easiest way to describe it. Yeah, so I describe it the, the same thing, but in a different term, ikigai, which is combining mm-hmm. like four things, right? I think a lot of us have heard this term combined with the three things. Is find out what you're good at, find out what your passions are, and then something that you can make money with. Mm-hmm. The, the fourth and final ingredient, which unites the Power Rangers creating the Zordon or whatever that thing was, is the <laughs> is it good for the world? So I think you look at like, my website and your kind of platform it's we're both good at talking about money and we're obviously very passionate about it and you know there's ways we can like monetize it and i've been starting that group coaching mastermind i was telling you about and then it's good for the world it's getting people financially free and getting them outside of the wall street garbage yeah Um, that's amazing another example is like the guy who likes to make pottery so he's like good at it he's passionate about it but it sure as heck doesn't make money. No ikigai, right? No, right? <laughs> yep. So a lot of this is like trying to find a hobby so that you can make some money, but also it means to write off taxes too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody talks about do what you love and the money will follow. They'll t- tell you that kind of stuff. But the truth is that there's a lot of people that love to do stuff, but there's a lot of broke, passionate people out there. Passion doesn't pay the bills alone. And so it, to me, like I revamped the phrase to be, do what you love that others love you doing, and then the money can follow. And I say can because it doesn't necessarily mean it will, because you could be awesome what you do. You could be very passionate about it. You love it. Others love you doing it. But if you can't, if you don't have the right business sense, if you don't know how to actually monetize it, right, or don't know how to market it, 
or those kind of things, you could actually end up not making any money. You could be this really this alone genius person, <laughs> a lonely genius. And uh, we definitely want to be there. And so that's where, yeah, if you can find something that you love to do regardless of the money and you're great at it and people, it solves some sort of problem for people. Or even if it's, it doesn't have to be like a massive world problem, like solving world hunger. It could just be like something that actually really entertains. There's, if you ever watch like America's Got Talent, you can see that show up sometimes because they might bring on tons of magicians or tons of comedians. But there's the guys like Piff the Magic Dragon. How many comedians come out on stage in a big dragon outfit? Like, it's just, it's just goofy, you know, it's, but it's unique. It's something that we remember. If you've been listening to the Simple Passive Casual podcast since 2016, you have seen me well change my mind a few times. At one time, I thought buying a bunch of rentals was the way to financial freedom, so you could be that cool guy at the local real estate club with all the other misguided landlords. As I became an accredited investor, I discovered the three-step system that we use today. First, syndication deals where you don't invest with dishonest operators to get better returns than the 401k financial planner garbage. Second step, get passive losses to unlock the tax best practices that the wealthy employ. And last and least impactful, number three, infinite banking. If your net worth is not yet $1 million, check out my free turnkey rental remote e-course at simplepassacashflow.com slash turnkey. All right, speaking to accredited investor to accredited investor, my one, two, three system is very simple to implement, but it requires plugging into a community of purely passive accredited investors like ours. Join our investor club for more insider access. Go to simplepassacashflow.com slash club. Those who are looking to deploy more than $250,000 their first year or make over $300,000 in annual income or net worth over a couple million dollars should really look into our exclusive inner circle called the Family Office HANA Mastermind, FOOM for short. Learn more at simplepassivecashflow.com slash journey. And so finding your your own unique twist to things and then actually doing that's where there's some real, that's a real secret to, to creating more money, or at least since a lot of us are professionals and a lot of engineers and Mm -hmm. you got to make money too. And and I I don't know where I got this phrase from. I think it was from you, but the phrase that really sticks with me is, you know, people who create value are reward or, you know, and reward with money. Yeah. Dollars follow value created. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm always like people who like to buy and sell stuff on eBay or Amazon and like to do all this arbitrage stuff, mm-hmm. not creating value. You're not creating like tangible value. It's like gimmick. And we all know what happens mm-hmm. with gimmicks. They eventually go away. I, I know you've talked about this with like multi-level marketing in the past. If you want to expand on that. Yeah. In network marketing too, definitely that, that comes up a lot. Cause for example, in network marketing, they always say, Hey, just do what the leader does. And just do it the same way they do it. And so you get a lot of these copycats out there that just don't work. And you were never meant to be a copy. And it's kind of like, you ever seen the movie Multiplicity with Michael Keaton, where he clones, I think it was from like late 90s, early 2000s. I can't remember. But in that movie, he clones himself to do more. The clones got jealous because they're like, hey, we're doing all the work while the the original guy is, he's just out there playing. So let's make our own clone. So the, the, the clones got together and made their own clone. So it's like a copy of a copy. And the guy was like a, like totally an idiot. So they're copy of the copy. They're like, you know how you get the original, you make a copy, then you make another copy of the copy. It gets less, less pronounced. So the ink gets faded. It's kind of like that. And that's kind of what happens to people with business. Yeah, even people that are like trying to be coaches out there or whatever, or network marketing, they try to imitate these people. But the problem is you're not them. You can't be the best at being somebody else. You can only be the best at being you. And so finding your unique flavor to things, the unique way of doing stuff, that's really the trick. And, and when you start to really 
own that. And I know because I used to be the guy that would try to imitate certain behaviors or marketing type things or sales strategies or whatever it would be. And and people would say, ah, weird. Or like, I wouldn't be comfortable being like in, in front of a room. So I try to be polished, for example, or too polished. And then eventually I just stopped, I stopped caring. I just said, no, I don't care. Like, I'm just going to do my thing and I'll do it, do the best I can. And the funny thing is that's when people started to warm up to me the most and more people are attracted to me. In fact, better people that are a better fit for me when I'm consulting or when I'm helping people out, whether it be on the insurance side or wherever it might be, the people just match up perfectly. And that's because if you are who you are, the right people show up, the right team, the right people to come to support you. And it just makes it a lot more fun. Yeah. And I think you also told me about this, like you're into numerology at one time. I don't know if you still are. And I was kind of like, really? But then I started to think about it. It's like, you got to figure out what, how you are and that's how you got to create your business or operate out of. Yeah. I don't know much about numerology really. There's a thing I use like human design. That's pretty cool. It combines like astrology with some other things too, um, which I normally would be like, okay, that's bull crap. But I actually found out that one actually really worked for me and among many things. So like finding strengths, if you're trying to find talents or strengths, I used to be a sociology major. So I was all about running tests, test measuring and trying to figure out like finding different things about people and group behavior and things like that. And so tests I've used are like Myers-Briggs, a personality test. I've used the Colby A index, which is, is pretty good. That's more of like how you operate type of test. It's similar to DISC. Some people might use DISC. I know Tony Robbins has that on his website for free. So Colby, you got to pay like 50 bucks for it. DISC is free online, but there's things like that out there. Human design, I've actually used that one a lot. That one's helped me a ton on knowing how I should be working and operating. So for example, some people are not meant to just go hardcore, right? Like only a third of the population should just be doing it, being the type of people to say, got to make it happen. Like those kind of people. Sometimes there's different ways of making it happen that are actually more productive for you, depending on who you are. And then another one too that I do is actually an easy exercise that anybody can do is what I call a strengths feedback exercise. And so what you do is you basically just email or call, you can call people, you can email or text people and just ask them, say, Hey, what are like the top, you know, three or four things about me that you think make me different or make me unique? Or maybe things you can count on me for. Or and, three words. Ask me three words if, that come to mind to make it simple. I'm sorry, say again? What are three words that come to mind when you think of me? Yeah, you could just say words. Um, I always like to have them expound on it because sometimes people have different meanings to words. And so what you might interpret their word to me might be completely different how they describe it. So if they give you words, have them expound on a little bit so they can tell you what that really means to them. And that's money. Like, like for example, I had a lot of people that told me you know, even though I didn't feel it at the time, and I did this back in 2007, I think it was. And they would say things like, yeah, I see you like a leader or I see you as a teacher or even you're a different teacher because you're entertaining or you teach things very simply or you like to use like multimedia with your teaching, which I really like or things like that. Or people would say, yeah, you're loyal almost to a fault. So talking about personal relationships and stuff. And they would just bring up all these things. And, and eventually when people would all say some of the same stuff. In the economic sense, I call that get a clue because <laughs> they're all saying the same thing. And, and, and in fact, you have to have people that have known you your whole life. You can seriously ask people that maybe have known you for a few months, just their first impressions. And it's amazing that people that might have changed your diapers, right, <laughs> back in the day, might be the same, might say some of the same things that somebody who just met you a few months ago would say. And that's how you like, everybody else sees genius, but you. Usually you don't see it because you just live with it day to day. It's just part of who you are. But for them, they see it and they think, wow, that'd be so cool if I could do that. Or 
yeah, when you do this, it just, it blows my mind. And so that's just money right there. If you can find even some of that, that can give you a good step in the right. So another one is like StrengthsFinder 2.0. A lot of people talk about that book. Is that kind of aligned with the other Colby StrengthsFinder exercise in human design where the Google terms people can look at? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All those things can be great contributors. I, I, I really don't think there's anything bad about trying anything that helps you understand more of who you are. So that's step one, find your strengths and talents. And yep. then next thing is figure out what your passions are. Right. Yeah. So I do what's called a passions test. It's not mine. I don't even remember who came up with it, but basically to say, find out things that you are passionate about, make a list. It could be like 10 to 15 different things and then start to rank them. Start to find out like what's number one, number two, and that kind of thing. And I'll tell you, and in fact, it's interesting because I've had people tell me before, they say, you know what, Chris, I'm not really like super passionate. I don't get really excited. Like I had a guy from Alaska that told me that He's like, I don't get excited about anything. And I know him just enough to say, yeah, you don't get excited. Like you don't get like, yeah, all hyped up. I'm not a hypey guy either. So I, I asked him, I said, well, is there anything that fires you up? Like ticks you off? Yeah. Or pisses you off. That's, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and he had a whole list for that. So we, we started going down that route. He's like, oh yeah, politics or my family. It's okay. We'll go deeper. What about your family? Like, well, I just, I'm really protective of them. I'm really like, it's important to me to, you know, prioritize them. Okay. All right. Now we're getting somewhere and they'll get a, a bigger list than just saying, what are you excited about? Right. But yeah, just doing that and then going through and just ranking them. It's like, what's the one that's, if I had to choose between two and I usually just compare two at a time, it's almost like a, I call it my M&M game. When I was a kid, this kind of weird. When I was like, you know, around 11, 12 years old, I would take two M&Ms and I would smash them together. And, and I would see who would be the winner. It's, it's almost like Mortal Kombat. Smash together. The one's the winner goes against the next Eminem and smashes. And whoever wins at the end, that's the, the ultimate champion. And I was always rooting <laughs> for green because I love green. And, uh, and that's kind of what I do with this list. I'll say, all right, number one to number two on this list of 10 or 15. If I had to choose one, which one am I more passionate about? All right, we'll keep it number one. Number one compared to number three, which one am I more passionate about? Well, I think number three wins. Number three to number four. Number three to number five. Whoever wins, you just keep going through that list. And that one that wins out is the number one. And then you just do the same thing for number two. You take that one off the list and then you start doing that comparison again. And you can come up with easily like three to five strong passions that you have that now you can start saying, all right, how did this with my talents and my passions combine together and work together? And you're trying to find global problems or things, problems to solve because that's people yes. pay to solve problems. Yeah. And that's usually the next thing I'll do is I'll start making a list of what are things that I hear people complain about that maybe either I would want to solve, like I think I have, or maybe it's just something you just think would be cool to solve. You may not know the solution, but maybe you have to bring your own unique flavor or twist to it. And that's really the point is, all right, with these things I am passionate about, what are they? Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. So most of the people listening are, you know, high paid professionals, they've mm -hmm. likely got kids, busy life. What are some epiphanies you've seen come up through this process that maybe might resonate with somebody, kind of inspire them to do these exercises? Because I, I think a lot of yeah. people are like, I'm just too busy. I might, I make 200K at my job. I don't need the side hustle stuff. Yep. But that's not the point. The point is to punch through the object and find out some kind of passion that makes yeah. you money and you can write off some stuff. Exactly. So that's the key is if you try to worry about the money too quickly in this process, you actually end up falling flat on your face, right? Because it can happen very naturally. And so the best thing you can do, especially if you're busy, is find ways to apply these strengths and these passions to different places that you're in, right? Whether it be in the workplace, at home with your family or kids. If you volunteer, do community stuff with your neighbors, strangers on the street, 
try out using some of these things. If it's just like, I'm going to use one strength or here's a passion I might be able to tie in. Uh, so give me an example. Like for me, I remember when I was stock coaching back in the mid 2000s, I wasn't like, I wasn't hired because I was the, the most brilliant trader. They hired me because I was a good coach. So they said, we'll train you the way we want you to be trained. want you to teach these people, but we're hiring you mostly because you have good coaching skills, right? So already I was like a, the, the handicapped kid. They weren't expecting much out of me. And so I started to do that and I pick up and learn things. And I'm one of those people, I just pick up on certain things, especially financial concepts really easily. And so I picked up on it. I was like, okay, cool. And then I started to perfect on it. You know what? These guys, if they did this, maybe we can make this a little bit more effective here. And then I started to time it passions in because I was getting bored. I was doing a good job, but I was, and so when I would teach them about trading stocks and options, there would always be like this flexibility. There would always be out of the 16 sessions I would do with people, there'd be about seven or eight that you can just be flexible with, follow up on their trades, keep them accountable. And that would be the time I would take the opportunity to go teach something different or something more, maybe about economics or something like that. And we would have such fun conversations talking about that because they would be intrigued. They're like, oh, this is cool stuff. I like it. Some people call it intermarket analysis, but I would just talk about that kind of thing. And they would have so much fun with it that what was interesting out of 60 coaches, I was like ranked number two with the positive feedback. I would have been number one, but there's a guy who was coaching double the clients as me. So he got technically more positive feedback than I got. But for percentage wise, I probably had the highest positive feedback. And, and it was funny because I was the guy I predicted not to make it, right? So that was a big thing there. Other things I've learned too is I remember learning about being a you know, leader and a teacher. And I have a mission statement that says, through powerful conversations and faithfulness, I establish higher standards of service, perseverance, and stewardship to create happy, fruitful. And basically, my whole thing is about raising the bar. That's kind of my thing is, is raising the standard, raising the bar, just taking it to that next level. That's kind of like my whole life mission in general. And by the way, mission statements do help a lot sometimes in this case. And I remember I was volunteering at my, my church and then they asked me, they said, hey, can you take care of the two-year-olds? And I'm like, I can teach the adults. I'm a good teacher. I'm a good leader. Like, have me teach the adults. No, we, we need help with the two-year-olds. I'm like, how am I supposed to be a leader and a teacher to two-year-olds? And then it dawned on me after a little while, I was like, wait, I may not be able to teach by word but I can get on my hands and knees and interact with them and play with them. And I did. And the cool thing is that pretty soon they started responding. And even after I was done volunteering my time there, a lot of them would come up to me when all the parents come pick them up, they would just put their arms up. Like they want me to hold them. That was pretty cool. Even though there was other women there who were much better caregivers than I was right. Naturally, a lot of those women would just sit there and gossip. I would actually be there and, and involved with the kids and create that connection. That's just the name of few. That's just a normal life. But understand, I take all those same things and I apply my business too. I still connect and do things with people in business. I teach a lot. In fact, I am a teacher. That's the thing. It's like, get me to retire, which I've been financially independent twice in my life. Each of those times I could retire, I don't because I have this passion that I want to keep teaching and help people take it to that next level to not be mediocre, just like you teach on the show. And so those are the things you can start integrating and naturally money just follows. It's really easy, especially if you start to figure out and hone in really what is your genius and just focus on that. So you've seen a lot of um, epiphanies happen when you're coaching folks. What are some examples of those that you've seen like just people, you know, may resonate with another working professional? Yeah, I had somebody, I had a few examples. I had a guy, for example, he was uh Okay, I'll, actually, I'll use a woman because uh, she's a, she was actually worked in the IT field. So I figured if you got some working professionals, get somebody in IT. And we did some of this process with her and, and she was really passionate, actually not about doing tech stuff. She was really passionate about the healing side of things, like really helping people emotionally heal. 
uh, naturally because she had experiences too. Um, by the way, one of the coolest things you could ever do if you're ever going to the role of trying to provide value or teach something or help people through something is do something that you overcame yourself, right? Like for me, one of the biggest things that helped me create, help people create more cash flow is that I went through a the recession where I went over a million dollars in debt and I had to avoid filing for bankruptcy. So all those kind of things. And the things I learned going through all that crap is the very things that helped my own clients free up hundreds, over a hundred million dollars of, of cash flow over the last nine years. Because you had to figure out the strategies behind that. Yeah. Because people kept telling me, I wanted people to hire me, but they kept telling me, well, I can't find the money. I'm like, I can find the money. Like not telling them, Hey, I'm broke right now. This is back during the recession, right? Hey, I'm broke. I had to find money. So I bet you your situation is better than mine. So yours should be easy for me. And that's how it happened with this woman. Like her thing was healing of the emotional healing stuff. She'd gone through a lot in her childhood and and had to work through that as an adult to function. And so she started to do that kind of stuff. And she just had to find the right modality. The nice thing that kind of matched up with her. And even when she found it still, as she did it, she morphed it a little bit and tried something a little bit different. And she brought maybe this little thing in for healing and this and that and it became her own thing. And so pretty soon, even though she's doing, still working IT, like she's still an IT manager at her work making you know, a good six-figure income, on the side, the thing that actually gets her fired up is that she's doing this. She has a side business, a side hustle. So she Another does like, like coaching or like... Basically like, like healing, coaching, like uh, energy healing type stuff, Reiki. If you've heard of Reiki, that kind of thing with magnets and things like that. Ooh. So she does... Exactly, Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how she does what she does, but it's pretty cool. It's kind of like a chiropractor I knew in, in Denver that she would seriously not touch anybody. She'd just do this, like down people's backs. And they're like, oh, I feel so good. I'm like, she didn't touch you. What the heck did she do to you? And I was too scared to try it myself. Another person, a good example, this is a guy out in Washington State. He really loved working with kids, like specifically teenagers. And he was working a job full time. And he was coaching a baseball team during the summers, like a teenager baseball team. It wasn't a high school team. It was like the city league type thing. But they would go to state or even interstate championships and win or at least play and get runner up. He was really, they were a really good team. In fact, they would perform better than the high school team would do with those same players. And so we, he, he asked me, he's like, okay, Chris, I got to figure out how to make money with this so I can do what I love. And after some time, we could try to figure out, it actually got really hard. And we're like, and I asked his wife, I said, how is he during baseball season? And she said, oh, he's so happy. He's like on cloud nine. And I tell you, the guy's just energetic. I'm like, okay, cool. Do we necessarily have to make money doing baseball? You know, what if we just said, this is like your outlet to just fire you up that keeps you doing, because you got a job that's flexible enough that he could take off work and do what he wants. So why don't we just keep doing that? And they're like, oh, that takes so much pressure off. Funny enough, a couple years later, he got offered a position with the varsity team. Yeah, I think he started with JV and then he got moved up to varsity. He started coaching and making money anyways. And that, that, that path came because he just did something he just enjoyed. And his whole thing wasn't just winning baseball. His thing was teaching these teenagers, these young men to become real men, to become productive citizens. That was his whole passion. Had not, it, baseball was just an outlet. But the passion was training these youth to become real men. And so, I mean, that's what he's done. And, and now they actually, I, the last I saw, they're doing like couples marriage type counseling stuff. I mean, I don't know what the heck they're doing now, but it, it's cool to see the evolution of the last you know, decade, how it takes them. And now they're making money in other ways. Anything more for the introverts out there? Maybe just with uh, making some kind of arts and crafts or musical 
instrument. Thing. You sure could. I'll tell you, if you're a handyman right now and you live anywhere near me, you're hired. There's seriously, like there's a lot of needs out there. And I'll tell you, these handymen do not have personal skills, like people skills or not their thing. There's lots of things you do. I, I know the person that's our seamstress, she's not very, uh, she's definitely not a person you try to strike up conversation with because it's just not, it's not going to go anywhere. She's just an introvert. And that's fine. There's also things you can do too. Even if you want to be in business, you want all the tax write-offs like we talked about at the beginning of the show. The thing is you could also be a partner because what if you're the person that's just perfect being like the COO, right? Maybe you're the person that's best on the back end while somebody else is better to be the, the front man or the front woman, but you're the person on the back to make sure that it actually works or that things are being fulfilled on. So there's a lot of roles you can do and play in uh, and make great money. You can even be in business, but not have to be the face. That's not, that's not required at all. All right. The book, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber comes to mind. There's the visionary, the operator, like the CEO, mm-hmm. like you said, and then there's all kinds of technicians in business. Yeah. You need those three characters in every business and you may be just good at sales or you may be good at just making baking or whatever. Yeah. But the link up with those other people is a key. That's right. That's the thing. You don't have to be in it alone. It's kind of, if you've ever watched YouTube videos of the piano guys, have you ever seen those guys, right? They take, they do cover songs. And, and especially you'll see the piano player, John Schmidt, and then you see Steven, that's the, the cellist. And, uh, and that's, and it's funny because I remember seeing John Schmidt around here locally in Utah because that's where these guys are from. And I remember seeing him be up there. And I was like, I don't even know who that guy is. I just know he's performing. He's just the piano player. And he could play upside down and do all that kind of stuff, right? But he didn't really get popular until he started bringing on other people. So he started bringing on like the cellist that brought in a whole new thing. And they did Viva La Vida and, and Love Story. Taylor Swift and Coldplay, they did that little mesh up that, that got millions and millions of views. And then they just kept going and they had the camera guy and they had other people too to help support that. And now these guys go perform and they sell out stadiums and stuff. I mean, that just all, these are guys that were talented individually, but bringing them together, that teamwork, that's the thing that allowed them all to shine together. They were better synergistically together than they were apart. Right. And something like I was listening to Tim Ferriss podcast yesterday, he said something pretty cool. He said, you don't need to be the top 1% or 1% like Michael Jordan, but all you got to do is, figure out like three things that you're in the top 10% in that here's the key is people aren't good at that typically. Like for Mm -hmm. example, everybody can speak a foreign language, right? Yeah. And it's no big deal. It's a commodity, $20 Mm -hmm. an hour person, but you combine that with two other things that people aren't good at and kaboom, right? There you get, now you got a niche. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's the thing I was going to say too, is when you blend it all together, think about it, we're in the financial space. And the cool thing is, and I remember my wife is also in the financial space too. And I remember she saying, yeah, I guess we're in competition with each other. This is before we dated or anything. She's like, I guess we're in competition with each other. I'm like, no, we're not. Because you can't compete with me. I'm sorry, but you can't do what I do. And then to save it, I also said, on the flip side, I also can't do what you do either. So <laughs> That's the beautiful thing because we were both serving the same market, but we were two very different ways of approaching it. Lane, you and I, we hit some of the same spots sometimes, but we're two very different people and, and we have our own unique flavor, our own unique recipe that goes with it. And when you start combining these things together, that's what makes it cool. It's like my friend who's a, he's one of the, he's a very popular actor out there. He's always like a supporting actor. He's also really funny, even though he's always in dramas. He always, he's always typecast as being like a general or a police officer or something, but he's a hilarious guy. And he would always try to do things to mix it up. Whenever he would do auditions, he would try to do something different. 
And even when he would be on his own just to practice on the side, he would say, tons of people have eaten raisins. But how many people have eaten raisins out of a freezer? How many people have done that? And wait, let's take it another step. Let's take raisins down a garden hose into my mouth out of the freezer. I bet you nobody's done that before. So he's having his friend put raisins down there, trying to feed it out of the hose. And they're cracking up so badly, they can't even hardly do it. Or he would go to his auditions, he'd put maple syrup in his shoes. So people would be like, wow, it smells like pancakes. What's going on? Like, That's the kind of thing, if you mix it up a little bit and just put your own flavor and twist. That's the thing is I don't worry about competition because I know that doing what I do best, no one can imitate it. Even when people try to imitate my stuff and teach my stuff, a lot of times they'll regurgitate it. It's just not the same. It's like a copy. And so that's the thing is you don't worry about people ripping off so much because if you know that it's you're the innovator of what you do best, other people will just have to follow suit with whatever you're doing. They can't create. They have to do their own thing. I call that the idea that when I look at successful people, it's usually they're contrasting binary strengths like mm-hmm. Dirk Nowinski, seven footer, but he can pop threes. Um, mm-hmm. A guy that can bench press 315, but He's uh, can do walking hands or the financial planner who's pretty cool and funny and charming at the same time. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, those are things that get paid. So if you can combine certain talents mm-hmm. with another secondary talent or tertiary talent, then kaboom. Yeah, I'll give you another example. If Say you decide to go in the place where maybe you have to put yourself out there, like you're going to start a business. Maybe you're going to go into marketing yourself and things like that. I found some real tr- cool tricks with finding your marketing voice of sorts. Because for example, a lot of times people ask me, and maybe Lane, you've been asked this too. They're like, oh, that's so cool. You have a podcast. Maybe I should do a podcast too. I don't know if you get asked that, but I get people that ask me that all the time. Like maybe I should do a podcast. And, and I was like, but maybe not because it may not be your thing. And so when I do that, like a lot of times I get people will say, what is that thing? And, and some people have a natural tendency towards certain areas. So there's really three areas you can look at for a marketing voice. One is, of course, your words. Two could be your face or how you show up. And then three could be like your content, right? Like your writings, blogs, things like that. A lot of times you get people, and you've probably seen this too, Lane, like being out there, there's some people that are just amazing on video. And, and, and sometimes it helps, of course, if it's like a beautiful woman or a good looking guy, or sometimes it's really charismatic. Like they just, they're just lit up. They're the kind of people when, you, when they walk into a room, People are like, wait, who is that? Like they just grab your attention. They could be doing nothing but walking, but somehow they grab your attention. Those people shouldn't be worried about doing a podcast or if they do, maybe doing like a visual podcast, maybe. But for the most part, it might be, let's, what can we do to get them more on video? Get them more seen. They could be more on stages or things like that. Like I, I actually love being on stages, but I realized for myself, my voice is more like the second one, which is more of an audible voice. And I learned this out of really out of experience because I had people that would reach out. They would hear my podcasts or hear me on other podcasts even. And they would reach out. And I remember they'd talk to my sales manager and they'd say, my sales manager would say, why are we talking? They'd say, I don't know. I just really like Chris. I just trust him when I hear his voice. And so I just want to know what the heck he does. And so I did a horrible, such a horrible job selling myself. People didn't even know what I did, but they were, but it was so, such of a way that my voice that they, they would trust it. They were like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like I should work with him. What does he do? Whatever it is, I'll do it. And that got me to realize, wait, why am I spending all this time trying to do videos and trying to get on tons of stages when really my voice can be anywhere? And so from that point, that's why I started doing a podcast as well. That's why I created the the Chris Miles Money Show five years ago was, hey, 
I'm already doing it. It's already working. And that's why when I got an EO fire, it was actually, that's when it hit me. It was like, oh, these people just heard me and it was enough and build that relationship. And so for me, I use audio like crazy, but videos I'll hardly ever, you know, and the content, I'm not big on content. Some people are just better writing than they are speaking or anything. I don't know if you've ever met the author that you love their writings and then you meet them in person and you think, oh wow, that was awkward. Or you hear, should I hear them speak on stage and it's just not the same. I think, I think the Michael Gerber guy is pretty horrible on podcasts. But uh-huh. people say, they're like, oh, that, that yeah. podcast bombed. But he writes these great books <laughs> like the Ema. <laughs> yeah, it's, you almost want to say, yeah, just go back to writing your books. It's cool. Yeah. It's good. Just write your books. And, it, and it's great. You're right. Like it's, it's a book that's changed so many business owners' lives. And that's somebody who doesn't necessarily have to get up on stages. Seriously, like he can just do it through his books and get other people on a stage if he wants to do that. Get somebody else to sell his system or maybe he just shows up to say hi and then he walks off, that kind of thing. But really, those people, John Maxwell, I know he's pretty decent on stage from what I've heard. That guy, he's pumped out, I don't know how many hundreds of books. And But we all know him just because of his books, not necessarily because of his speaking or because of any podcast he does. It's just purely the writings. Right. So another way you're saying that, a couple other, I've met a guy through all these calls that I have, you guys can still book a call with me and chat if we haven't chatted before. But I hear all these side gigs. One of them was like the, he does voiceovers and animation. Uh-huh. He likes doing that. He just does, puts it up on Fiverr. Another guy, he does like wedding. He does like emceeing for weddings, but more of an introvert. I think he's an engineer too, but he says like people need to get up and party and need that leader to get him going so he just steps out of his shell and does it yeah, yeah those are great ways to make an extra five ten grand a year and then you throw that into a turnkey rental that's yeah great way to get and, going and that's, and that's a cool economic engine you can create because if you can generate more money more income fast without money you know, which a business and, and va- delivering value for people does that's that just accelerates all your goals you're trying to hit when you're trying to do real estate stuff yeah. A lot of people like to do the silly travel hacking stuff, which I thought it was silly until you can pair that with trade lines. So if you guys want to check that out, simplepassivecashflow.com slash trade lines. And yeah, yeah, I'm making like 10, 20 grand a year doing that little side yeah. gig. So exactly. But yeah, Chris, you want to give folks your contact information to get a hold of you and if they want to continue this thought process with you and maybe do some coaching about finding the side gig. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If you're trying to find a side hustle and especially trying to get out of the side hustle or make your side hustle your main hustle, right? Yeah. Like the best way to contact me is either one, you can go through my website, moneyripples.com. You can message me through there. Also, you can actually follow my podcast, the Chris Miles Money Show. I've got several episodes regarding monetize your divine genius, different things about business that can help you grow that plus others on, on personal development, on money and things like that too. Yeah, a lot of things for free on there, and but you got to pay to play after some certain point and get Chris's valuable time later on, but it's probably sure. worth it. Yeah, Thanks it for joining us, Chris, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.